Welcome again to one of the short Cood Street podcasts, which Jonathan Strawn and I have been doing since March and are going to continue doing until somebody stops us. And today I'm delighted to have uh, with us the Crawford Award winning world fantasy nominated novelist, short story writer, unclassifiable game writer too, Karen Tidback. Uh, uh, Karen, I didn't even realize until uh, a few a couple few hours ago that you'd written, I guess, a fairly popular game. Yeah, yeah, I have. Well, I don't know if it's popular, but um, it, it got reactions. Well, that's, that's <laughs> good news. Um, yeah. And the other thing which I discovered, uh, we talked to Greg Bossard on one of these uh, a couple of months ago, and apparently you and Greg were in the same clarion class. We were, absolutely. Uh, and we uh, also in that class were John Shu. Uh, Kaya mm-hmm. Shanta Wilson, Tamsin Muir, Callie Wallace, and Leah Thomas. That's got to be an impressive, uh, one of the more famous clarion classes. And as Greg was pointing out, since he's been a regular at the International Conference on the Fantastic off and on, is that this is the only class which has produced three Crawford winners, because you and Kaya Shanta Wilson and this year Tamsin Muir uh, have, have all won the Crawford Award. Yeah, it's it's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, it, but it does make you feel, or it makes me feel, uh, something I've long suspected, which is that uh, workshops like Clarion produce more successful published writers than most academic creative writing programs do. Yeah, I'm. Um, I, I think I'll have to agree, but I'm. I'm biased because I didn't. I mean, I dropped out of university, so I've spent years and years and years at various writing workshops, and. In my mind, it's it's a better way of practicing your craft. Well, the uh, I, I guess uh, one of the but things. Then again, I've heard... mm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish your thought. <laughs> sorry, I don't have a lot to compare it to, but um, you're not the only one who uh, who thinks that. Yeah, I, I know, and I've and, and I gather things have gotten better. If you were to go into a creative. Uh, creative writing program today mm. the odds that they would completely and actively discourage any kind of fantastic writing are not as bad as they would have been years ago uh, so yeah that happened to me the first time I went to a creative writing workshop mm-hmm. they just they just didn't know what to do with my fiction they um, they flat out told me that they didn't understand what they were reading and that mm-hmm. I had to write something more accessible uh, well, there are people today, I'm sorry, there are uh, sirens going on outside here, which you can probably hear. Uh, yeah. But let's go on and, 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 and talk about what we always talk about on these, which is, uh, you actually, I was, I've been asking people what the lockdown, what you've been reading on the lockdown, but you really don't have a lockdown in Sweden, do you? No, we don't really. We have restrictions, but we don't actually have a lockdown. Well, nevertheless, the question of what are you reading these days still stands. Oh, Absolutely. Um, where should I start? Because I'm both listening and reading. So thing is, because uh, I'm I'm working on a new project now, uh-huh. and when I've done that during the day, I just can't bring myself to read other people's stuff. So I listen to stuff instead. Okay. And Counts. I yeah. So I just finished the um, the Sandman audio drama. Oh, I heard that's wonderful. It was, it was interesting because I grew up with 
the Sandman comics. They were tremendously uh-huh. important to me when I was a teenager. I started reading them when I was like 15. And uh, so it was like revisiting that world. But it was also weird because I know the characters so well. I, I can't tell you how many times I've read the comic, uh, the mm-hmm. graphic novels. So it was very hard to reconcile the audio drama with the voices and the mannerisms I had in my head. But eventually I sort of decided that these are two different media and you can't really compare them. That's so I ended true. up Yeah. So I ended up enjoying the story. It was well, um, it was awesome. It has to be something like uh, having a favorite novel and then seeing a film version of it and it's 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 not what was in your head all those years. And mm. it's, it's disjointing. Um, but listening is uh, a, a surprising number of people I've been talking to on these podcasts have been uh, listening to audiobooks and audio dramas uh, at least as much as reading, uh, which, which kind of interests me because I've been under the impression that a lot of um, uh, audio listening, audiobook listening or podcast listening mm-hmm. had to do with working out at the gym or commuting to work or driving or and all, all sorts of things that people in, uh, uh, at least in the States, aren't doing much anymore. They aren't commuting to work. You know, they can't work out at the gym. Uh, but mm. but audio, audiobooks are still doing well. What else uh, have you got uh, on your table? Uh, I am listening to uh, The City We Became by N.K. Oh. Jemisin. And uh, one of the reasons I picked that is partly because I was really excited to see Jemisin actually do some, what, what seemed to me to be an urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. And also because the the narrator Robin Miles is incredible. Uh, I have listened to other stuff she has narrated, mm-hmm. and she is just incredibly, incredibly skilled in uh, voicing characters, doing different dialects and accents, and just bringing life to uh, to the story. I gather that uh, Nora Jemison is very pleased with that narration as well. I'm very glad to hear that. Uh, and I also started on Harrow the Ninth uh, on audio as well, mm-hmm. uh, because I listened to I listened to Gideon on the Ninth uh, as an audiobook as well, and I absolutely loved the narrator, uh, who seemed to be having so much fun. Uh, so I figured I was sort of trying to decide whether to read it um, with my eyes or listen to it, uh, but I ended up getting the audiobook because I wanted to hear Moira Quirk again. I wonder if listening to as much audio as you listen to affects the way you write. In other words, are you, do you start writing thinking, how is this going to sound as well as how it's going to look? That's a very good, uh, that's a very good question. I'm not sure. I think I, it's, that's very difficult to answer. I, I, I would have to think about that before, before answering. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if it's uh, related specifically to audiobook uh, uh, narration. I know there are, are, are some well-known writers um, here in the States whose uh, voice is whose, whose personal voice is almost indistinguishable from their fiction. If you read a story by Andy Duncan and have ever heard Andy Duncan, then that voice is in your head whenever you read the story. Uh, but on the other hand, when you read something like let's say Lovecraft uh, who I, I'm sure there are audiobooks of Lovecraft but mm. I can't really imagine that kind of prose in an audiobook 
No, it's we we had a famous Swedish actor who actually read some translated uh, stories of Lovecrafts in the eighties. Mm-hmm. It was a very bizarre experience. He was I one of admit. these. He was one of these great stage actors, and he had huge mannerisms, even in his even in his voice. As in, you could say his his voice made grand gestures. Uh-huh. So he started out reading. I think it was. Possibly the rats in the walls. Hmm. One of them. Uh, yeah, one of those. And he started reading this story, and he starts out really intense. But the problem is with Lovecraft is that it just ramps up even more and more and more and more. Right. So at the very end of the story, where Lovecraft, you know, all the Lovecraft stories they end in italics. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so by by the time he got to the end, he was basically shouting. <laughs> That's the problem, starting off on too high a note and you end up out of your register by the end of the song. Yeah. Well, uh, the other question we ask here is what, uh, if any, comfort reading, uh, not necessarily related to what you're reading right now, but things that you return to are things that you would recommend people to look at to, to, to de-stress in a time like this. Mm-hmm. I was discussing the other day uh, with a friend about stuff we read over and over again mm-hmm. and we both the first thing that popped into both of us heads was um the abhorsen trilogy by garth nix oh okay garth will be, will be delighted to hear that <laughs> but it's uh i think i've read the trilogy three or four times mm-hmm. and it's just such a wonderful world to get to to just walk around in as it were so i mean some some books when you dive into them it's like it's like a universe you can just dip into and then mm-hmm. walk around in there for a bit and be absorbed and i think those books uh are books like that they're ingratiating they're right there there are um there there are secondary worlds that i've gotten into and the story is compelling and i really don't like being in the world and so I have this mixed mm-hmm. feeling. I want to finish the story so I can get out of here. Uh, yeah. And and this is this is uh, almost the opposite of that. You're right. It's a very inviting kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I think I also want to uh, plug Tove Jansson because pardon? I do that. Uh, Tove Jansson, the movie oh, yeah. created. Because I do that as often as I can. Um, she wrote um, a bunch of short novels. They're sold as children's books, but the thing is that you can read them at any stage in your life. And she will talk to you about melancholy, eerie, uh, everyday things uh, in a way that is very accessible, but at the same time, very profound. And there's like, there's a book for everyone. There's even a book about Moomin Papa's midlife crisis. Oh, really? Oh yeah. <laughs> they're, 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 of course, uh, her work is known almost entirely as children's literature here in the states, mm-hmm. uh, and and yet it's still massively popular. Uh, so it's uh, a sort of thing that how th- those date back decades now at this point, don't they? Oh, they do. Yeah. So I think most of these are from the '60s and '70s. Yeah, and so they've survived very well. Uh, yeah, they have, uh, and I think she's. When I grew up, she was. One of the very few authors who would talk to me about 
when things were scary and when there were things I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And she wouldn't exactly answer questions, but she would make you feel like it's it's okay to not know everything and it's okay that there are mysteries in the world that we cannot fathom. That's great yeah, because it's it's, uh, it's the opposite of kind of the comforting everything will be all right uh, cliche of children's literature where everything has to be resolved in the end and you've, you're, you're not left with any nagging fears. And I think I've always thought that children's literature, adolescent literature, uh, needed to validate the fears because it's not going to get rid of them. In other words, we're going to have them whether the fiction tells mm -hmm. us to or not. Uh, is there? Well, we should get, uh, in, in, if there's not something else you want to mention, we should talk about what you have uh, coming out in the world because I know there is a forthcoming novel that sounds very interesting. Yeah. Uh, there's one last book I want oh, to talk about. Book. Yeah, one last book because it's a crime that it's not available in English and I really want it to be. Uh, it's, uh, it's a book called Monsters in Therapy by uh, Swedish authors Jenny Jägerfeld and Mats Strandberg. Uh, and it's about, it's about the psychologist who suddenly disappeared. And the mm -hmm. book is made out of her notes in which it turns out that she has been seeing some very, very strange patients. Mm. Namely, uh, Dr. Jekyll. Uh, yeah, Camilla, uh, Dorian Gray, and Frankenstein's monster. So it's basically a, a series of session notes with these monstrous individuals, and it's absolutely delightful. It does sound like a lot of fun. It's, it sounds like it's uh, covering some of the uh, same territory as um, the... Um, Theodora Goss trilogy that starts with the strange case of the alchemist daughter, which deals with the daughters of Dr. J actually, Carmilla actually even shows up in one of her novels. Ooh. But uh, but but the the, the um, premise of Dora's novels is that the daughter of Dr. Jekyll, uh, the daughter of uh, Frankenstein, the daughter of Dorian, no, not daughter of Dorian Gray. No, maybe Dorian Gray's not in that. Um, but at any rate, uh, it, it, it's a kind of feminist reimagining of Victorian monsters, and it's delightful. Uh, I love that. I have to read it. Yes, uh, I, I recommend it. Um, and, and you're going to have to, at some point, send me the spelling of, of, of the author's names of this, because, as you say, it's not in English yet, and it's not likely to be, or... Uh, I don't know if it's unlikely to be. I really, really hope it will be. Um, it's not available in English yet, but I would love to see it out there in the world. I'll send you the names after okay, we're great. done talking. And what about your, if there's nothing else, I want to get to your own work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I just, I'm just about to do the, the last corrections to the memory theater. Mm -hmm. I think it's called the, uh, the second pass of the third pass. It's um, what they call it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where you have to stop going over it at some point and let it into the world. <laughs> exactly. And that's really difficult because I keep finding stuff that I want to improve. Well, that's true. But that also will lead to never, ever being published at all. I know. So I've sort of taught myself to just rip my hands away and send it out into the world. 
Well, now this uh, tell us a little bit about it because from what I what little I've read, uh, it mm. features a character who has shown up earlier in your short fiction. Am I right? Oh yeah, it features um, gentlewoman extraordinaire Augusta Prima, who has her mm -hmm. own short story, uh, and um, it's about her, and it's about two children who live in that same realm where she lives, uh, which is a terrible place. It's, um, it's a place for the very select few where it's always the same night over and over again. There, there's drinking, there's dancing, and there's partying, and the occasional game of croquet. And for those who live there, it's fantastic, except for if you're one of the stolen children who have to serve them. Oh. Yes. It's ominous enough. But, <laughs> and this, this is definitely coming out in, in, in English uh, uh, next yes. year sometime, I believe. Okay. Yes, it's out in February. And it involves um, traipsing through the multiverse. It involves Scandinavia in the 1940s and uh, some places in between. Sounds wonderful. Well, again, mm. we're over as I always am, but uh, I've been uh, talking with... Um, Karen Tidbeck on the Good Street Podcast. And thank you very much for joining us, Karen. Thank you for having me.